This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. This BFM Budget 2023 special is brought to you by Ma Singh. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. First up, last Friday, Budget 2023 was tabled in Parliament. And then yesterday, Parliament was dissolved, making way for GE15. So where does this then leave the budget and what can we learn from the last time this happened in 1999? Hopefully a lot because there's <laughs> been some confusion about this. And even before budget was tabled last week, I think there were a lot of expectations and concerns around almost exactly this scenario or worries that in fact parliament would be dissolved before it was tabled. Um, so anyway, this is where we find ourselves. Um, just as a refresher, Finance Minister Datuk Sri Tanku Zafro Aziz um, did unveil a 372.3 billion ringgit budget last Friday um, and it was themed Kuluaga Malaysia Prospering Together and it was said to be guided by the 3R agenda, Responsive Responsible Reformist, um, the idea being that it would ensure the well-being of the people, business continuity, economic prosperity and public service delivery efficiency. So this is um, likely, I think, or or possible to be the same budget that is tabled should AMNO triumph in GE15 and find themselves back in government. Uh, But for the time being, this exact version of the budget is in a little bit of a no man's land because Mm. uh, the next step would have been to have it debated uh, in Parliament. As Parliament is now dissolved, it's not going to be able to do that and therefore not going to be able to be passed either. So it all comes down to timing, right? Because, uh, of course, the question was, if this was anticipated all along, why table the budget at all? And, and you know, the more cynical among us, certainly the opposition, uh, would call this a, a sort of a, a dangling of a carrot before the election. So uh, opposition MPs have described the budget as an election budget, saying that the actual budget will be expected after GE. Bayan Baru MP Sim Chin said that the budget was filled with goodies um, and felt that the government's revenue new projection was too optimistic. Meanwhile, Lemba Pantai MP Fami Fadzil, uh, I should say former Lemba Pantai MP Fami Fadzil, said that a, a second and, and likely a more realistic budget will be tabled after GE and that this current version doesn't give a full picture, um, which I think is something that, um, you know, people have been pointing out as well, that the timing of this, um, the, the sort of reaching out to the M40, the unveiling of cash handouts, all seem to indicate a a more of an attempt at gaining popularity rather than something that may eventually materialise? Um, no disagrees. So um, their information chief, Cheryl Hamdan, <laughs> uh, who's also the economic director in the PMO, said that it's not a populist budget, denying that it's about winning people over uh, and pointing out that the 95 billion ringgit allocation for development expenditure is the biggest in history, saying it shows competency in managing situations and building the country not only for today. So there you have the, the push and pull of it all. Despite Regardless, right, uh, I think for for me, just as a, a non-MP layperson, there is that question of why table at all? Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it really was a very, very fraught thing last week in which nobody felt uh, that there were so many memes going around on BFM also. Um, and, and there was a lot of uncertainty in general about what exactly was going to happen. And then it was tabled and for a second it was like, well, okay. 
and then now it's gone again. <laughs> and we're back to um, we're back to almost the same situation we would be in had it not been tabled. Except now we have more information, I suppose, at hand. I've seen a number of people on social media basically giving props to the hardworking staff of the finance ministry in the course of the last few months uh, because they were like, what did they do all this work for? Why make them do this now? I feel that way as well. Um, it is it is a very, it is a huge document, mm. the budget. Uh, it requires a lot of computing, the putting it the the announcing it also comes with a certain degree of fanfare. So there was a lot that went into this thing that is now not going to have, we don't know yet, but for the time being anyway, not going to have a lot of bearings. So um, I guess that's this dearth of meaning is what we're unpacking today. Well... If if you feel like you're living through unusual times, it might offer you a little bit of comfort to know that this isn't actually the first time we've seen a budget tabled and then elections being called. Back in 1999, Dr. Mahathir, who was PM at the time, essentially dissolved parliament less than two weeks after the budget was tabled by the finance minister at that time, Tun Daim Zainuddin. Um, so... I don't know if there's any comfort or meaning to be had from that, but do with that information what you will. We would like to hear from you. What do you make of budget being tabled at all, considering that Parliament is essentially no more? Do weigh in. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a WhatsApp or voice note zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now is Trisha Yo, CEO of Ideas. Trisha, good to have you back with us. Thanks for having me. So before we dive into Budget 2023, what are your thoughts on Parliament being dissolved? So I think that it was a long time coming. Um, the speculation was already rife about it taking place. And uh, it, was all, it was only a matter of time as to whether I think Prime Minister Ismail Sabri, or rather caretaker Prime Minister uh, Ismail Sabri, uh, would have been able to either resist or acquiesce to the demands of UMNO, which were very publicly displayed. Um, so I think, yeah, it was just a matter of time. Uh, on one hand, I think from the economic point of view, uh, people are saying that it is it, good to have getting, you know, to have gotten it over and done with or to, to get it over and done with soon um, because the speculation was providing a sort of environment of uncertainty and so on. Uh, of course, the flip side of that is that we all know it is running right into the flood season. Um, parts of Sabah, Penampang and so on are already experiencing floods. So I think it really depends on how uh, the election commission as well as the parties are going to work together in trying to get the vote out, um, whether or not this will actually see a very low voter turnout. Uh, so I think those are my initial thoughts on the dissolution for now. And this comes hand in hand with Budget 2023 being tabled last Friday. Um, so just to be clear, what happens to that version of the proposed budget? Yeah, so um, I think that's the question that's on everyone's minds. You know, was it really a waste of paper? Was it a waste of the Minister of Finance's time, you know, speaking for over two hours in Parliament? Um, essentially, the proposed budget can no longer be a proposed budget, right? So. Um, what will have to happen is when the new government comes into place, then the new government will need to retable a budget um, for 2023. Uh, whether or not it will be the same budget, of course, it depends on the government that comes in. So I assume that if it is some form of a Perikatan national or a Barisan national government that comes in, 
they will make use of the same budget document. After all, all the work has gone into it. Um, and, you know, I don't really know how much tweaking they would actually make if, however, it's a different uh, formulation of a government altogether, then that would also be interesting as to see what they would decide to maintain of the current budget and what they would decide to change. So in, in other words, the budget will need to be retabled ideally sooner rather than later um, because obviously, as we know, the budget sets the entire planning uh, map. It's a financial roadmap for the next financial year and this should be done sooner rather than later. So you mentioned um, the wasting of paper and effort. We do have a message from a listener. Uh, so Jack is asking, how much did it cost the Rakyat to table the budget? How much did it uh, cost the Rakyat to prepare the budget? Um, I mean, I'm not sure whether you have specific numbers, but essentially that question of the expenditure that goes into all of this. Uh, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, um, you could see it in two ways. So one is that Yes, a lot of money has been spent on things like consultations, for example, right? Halls have had to be rented. Uh, people have traveled to these consultations. Um, the Ministry of Finance, civil servants themselves have spent months, um, you know, the larger parts of the last year, thinking about the budget, putting it together, crunching the numbers. So all of that would be considered part of the cost of putting together a budget. Um, but on the other hand, one could also argue that these consultations are not uh, for naught, right? They, do, they don't amount to nothing because whichever government does come into, uh, into power in the coming weeks uh, in November, they would probably need to look at these consultation papers as well. And um, they will be briefed by the senior officials within the Minister of Finance. And so, you know, I think if we see that as building blocks, then it's not for nothing, um, but I do agree that I think the whole fanfare around the budget tabling, that could have been avoided um, if, you know, the Prime Minister, for example, already knew that the dissolution was going to happen yesterday. So I think this really gives us some thought about how we want to plan things better in the future. Also, the other thing is um, how much, you know, public transparency is there? So on the one hand, you say that it's not going to happen, but several days later, it is actually dissolved. I mean, what does that do for the larger business confidence, um, what investors are expecting for predictability, uh, stability? Um, I think that kind of policy predictability, that to me is much more important than the actual dollars and cents uh, that were spent in putting the budget together. So I have to ask, I think, because this is the, the question that people keep returning to. Why did the government table the budget at all if it was not going to be debated? Um, I, I mean, I recognise that you are not the government and therefore can't speak to their reasons. But uh, what's your take on this? Um, so, yeah, of course, that is a very important caveat. I can't speak on behalf of the government, but I can try to imagine as, you know, what the reasons would have been. Um, I think one, it could probably, I mean, it could possibly have been an element of surprise. Although, as I mentioned in the beginning, there really wasn't so much of a surprise anymore because, um, you know, these negotiations that were happening within UMNO were very public in the first place. But I think a second and a very important reason would be that whatever is contained in the budget um, could very easily and conveniently be referred to 
by the political parties that currently form the government as a reference point for what they intend to do in the upcoming year. So in a way, it is your very first and foremost campaign speech, um, if it were. But I think that's also a very tricky thing to say. So I think that's why I have to say that with a caveat. Uh, Why it's a tricky thing to say is because if you read between my words, um, what that actually means is that you're using the institution of government uh, for a political reason. And although this is not an unknown practice in Malaysia because we are sometimes confused as to the separation of party and state, having been under one party for so many years up to 2018, um, nevertheless, this is a very important point. And if it is used in the upcoming campaign speeches, if you listen to politicians using and referring to the budget as what they would do if they were to come back into power, then I think it's something that researchers and policy um, analysts need to point out as well. Because, you know, evidently making the use of government institutions for political reasons is not something that should be accepted. (laughs) To extend that, actually, how has the response been so far to Budget 2023? And might that count in BN's favour when it comes to the GE? Um, I mean, to be honest, I I actually think that the response to the budget this year was very muted. Um, I mean, usually it's the week after the budget that all the analysis comes out. You know, the newspapers um, have all the the different breakdowns as to which communities and parts of society that benefited the most. Uh, We didn't have the chance. Like there was not enough even space or airtime in your case to talk about the budget, to unpack it. So I think um, that's why the response was muted. I think there were also views that, okay, parliament is going to be dissolved anyway, so why bother analysing it? But um, having said that, the little that I did see coming out in the initial hours after the budget, um, definitely over the weekend, uh, I think were generally positive. Um, I think it was a a budget that was well-received. It was able to uh, look at some forward-thinking climate change and a lot of emphasis, you know, on things like uh, mental health and social assistance. I think there was a, a, the reduction in the tax rates as well. So I think it was generally positive. I don't um, actually, you know, even remember seeing anything or reading anything throughout the budget speech that was particularly criticized by anyone, not even the opposition. Um, so as to the question of whether it could work in their favor, it could, it could, um, but Again, not enough time was spent on really unpacking it to, I think, really have had a difference and impact felt. So as you alluded to earlier, um, we, regardless of anything, right, we're now going to have to wait for Budget 2023 in its final form to be both tabled and subsequently debated and then passed. Uh, what will be the knock-on effects of this on our economy as, as well as our various welfare or financial needs? So one um, obvious Um, result of this is that whatever is announced in the budget, we don't know for sure. I mean, there's no certainty that these things are going to be maintained. So there cannot be any expectations about certain projects or uh, certain, you know, distributions and handouts and so on, like whether or not this will actually be taking place. Um, This has some implications for people who were expecting, um, for example, the tax cuts, Uh, So I think as far as economic planning is concerned, uh, companies 
and individuals planning their financial year ahead might find it difficult for them to, to plan ahead. So it, it causes some constraints as far as forward planning is concerned. Um, that would be the immediate uh, effect on the economy. Uh, and then, of course, you know, other things which actually many people were expecting, like the Fiscal Responsibility Act. I mean, ideas for one has been very forward in welcoming the government's plans to table that. And we were really hoping to see the, the Fiscal Responsibility Act, as well as the Political Financing Act, um, you know, see the light of day, at least for the first reading in Parliament. But now that's off the table. Um, we don't know how reformist minded the new government is going to be. Uh, so I think there are some things, not just effects on the economy, but also effects on institutional reforms and providing these ground rules for the way in which government needs to operate if we are going to have a proper sustainable economy moving forward. I think those are still questions that remain unanswered. Trisha, what would you like to leave us with? Oh, wow. Um, well, I uh, I suppose I do hope that um, whenever the elections is, that people will vote, vote wisely. Um, vote with their heads and use some analysis before they actually mark their ballots. Um, but I think also in the longer run, what this whole thing has taught us is that there really is a lack of predictability in our system. And I would hope for something closer to a fixed term election. Now, I know that the fixed term election has not worked um, necessarily well in all cases. So Canada used to have it and then I think they dropped it. So th there needs to be some room and space for maneuvering as well if an election needs to be called. But I think we need to think about a long-term solution that balances between this really ad hoc nature of an election versus something more akin to a fixed-term election because our economy cannot take the unpredictability, the year-long um, amount of time and investment spent into speculating when the election will be. Uh, I do think that that is the single lesson that we need to take out of this. And hopefully, um, the new government will try and get some of its reforms together, including this. Trisha, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. Bye. I've been speaking with, uh, we've been speaking with Trisha Yeo, CEO of Ideas, on uh, the budget that was tabled uh, last Friday. And um, essentially, what to make of it now that Parliament's been dissolved. Keep those thoughts coming. We've got plenty already. What do you make of budget being tabled at all um, now that Parliament is no more? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, WhatsApp or voice note 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. This BFM Budget 2023 special was brought to you by Ma Singh. Reinvent spaces. Enhance life. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.